0: you're listening to a journey in american english hello everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode before we get started chris and i would like to thank everyone who has listened to the podcast so far we have noticed that the podcast has been growing slowly but surely and we are super excited about that and we are very grateful If you have any comments, questions, suggestions, criticism, feedback, anything of the sort, please feel free to send us an email or contact us at our Discord. We will leave the information in the links of this episode. Okay, on to today's topic. I have a question for you. Is there a difference between a geek and a nerd? I would say no, but Chris is obviously of a different opinion. And that was the main discussion of today's episode. We placed more focus on nerds, nerd culture, how to define nerd, how nerds are viewed within the American context and everything that goes along with that. With that being said, let's begin and please enjoy. Welcome back.
1: (laughs) Welcome back everyone.
0: Yeah. So as always, we have to start off with the weather um (laughs) it's very hot i'm very wet here and i don't like it (laughs) at all
1: i mean i i'm not a particularly huge fan of humidity it's very dry in montana though Mm. we hit 90s Fahrenheit. i think i saw 98 fahrenheit the other day yeah that was beautiful i love hot weather
0: really Yeah. Everyone
1: everyone in my friend group and at work thinks I'm insane, but you know what? Just just learn to enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Associate it with pleasure. Yeah, that's true. So 98 translates to Celsius. And I'll never get I cannot get used to Fahrenheit anymore because it just sounds so odd. Um like when I first moved here, I don't know if I if I told you this story, but when I first moved here, um I wanted to use my oven. And my oven only went up to 250. And I was like, that's a really bad oven because it only goes up to 250 degrees. Like, what are you going to do with that? And then I realized it was 250 degrees Celsius, which is like 500 something in Fahrenheit. So it's it was a normal oven, but there, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> so,
1: And you incinerated that pizza.
0: Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every time my sister asked me, like, how hot is it or how cold is it? And I'm like, Oh, it's like 35 degrees here. And just like, Oh my God, that's so cold. But it's 35 degrees Celsius, which is like, like literally boiling hot. Okay. Not literally, but it's, it's around like 90 something degrees. But yeah,
1: I've tried to get a good uh, mental reading on me- most metric uh, yeah. measurements. And I'm thinking I'm getting a lot better though. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're taught Celsius really poorly in American schools. It, yeah. I can't remember the exact conversion, but it's it's a pretty complicated, um, not complicated, but it's, it's complicated for just doing in your head on the fly.
0: Yeah, the trick, The trick. go on. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say the trick is, is not to convert, but to um, find like relative points. So, for example, um, body temperature in Celsius is around 30, like 35, 36, I think. That might actually be a bit too high, but it's in like the mid 30s. So right there you have like a point. And water freezes in Celsius at around zero. And so if water freezes at zero and the body is around like 30 something, then you already know, like if it's like 50 degrees outside in Celsius, that you're pretty much burning alive. <laughs> Whereas if it's That's around... a
1: pretty easy mental conversion.
0: Yeah. And so you could say like, oh, it's so cold outside. It's like five degrees Celsius. And so if you know that water freezes at zero, you can kind of relativize that. So you know where you are in Celsius and Fahrenheit. So the easiest what is thing, room temperature? Room. Oh, that's a good question. A room temperature in Fahrenheit is what is it like 75 degrees? 70. And, yeah. More. And so I would say room temperature in Celsius without cheating would be somewhere between like 20 degrees somewhere. So 20, 25 would probably be like room temperature. And hmm. that's yeah, and that is a decent temperature. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. So here in spring, for example, it gets up to around 20, 25 ish. And that's like sunny with a nice breeze and stuff like that. And when it gets into the summer, you get into like the forties and 45s. And that's like, you're like burning alive because it's so hot. And so if you have those two poles, then it's really easy to move between them. You know what I mean?
1: yes yeah that, so that's that's that actually will help me a lot thank you
0: yeah or like me for example like one last point and then you can get on a point and then move on to the topic like if you want to talk about height so my height i'm around like six feet and and centimeters that would be uh, 178 180 centimeters and so if you have that relative point if i ask you to say like how tall is like 100 centimeters then you can kind of like guess like, Oh, maybe it's like about as tall as my table, so to speak. And you're not going to say like, Oh, it's about as long as my car. <laughs> cause the car's not, <laughs> cause the car's not like six feet long. <laughs> so that's kind of how I do it. So I try to find points and not necessarily like, Oh, uh, like one, one, uh, like one mile is, I don't like 580 something feet or whatnot. But Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, I have uh, a my my good metric height comparison it ties mm-hmm. a little bit into what we're gonna talk about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the first three protagonists are all six five, which is one hundred and ninety five <laughs> centimeters. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll always remember that.
0: Definitely. So that so that's the trick. <laughs> this is only relevant for Americans, not necessarily for people outside of the U.S. Because the U.S. and England, I think, are the only two countries that use the imperial system which is like a uh, feet and the cups and ounces and all doesn't that f-
1: australia use imperial for height
0: okay that might be true i'm not and I sure feel
1: like there's one small random country in the midst of a sea of metric that also uses imperial
0: mm, that, okay that maybe like samoa american samoa because it's part of the u.s um is it I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm, I'm fairly sure it's a territory.
0: Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm yeah, going to go
1: am. out on a limb and say it's a mm. territory.
0: I'm yeah, definitely. Ninety
1: percent sure. I'm. I'll take the risk.
0: Yeah, we can talk about territories another day, but today we want to talk about something uh, that you definitely want to touch on last week, which is what is it?
1: Uh, nerd culture in the U.S. Yeah. and how yeah. it's evolved over the years, because it really has.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think before we jump straight into that topic. I think it would be interesting, I guess I could ask you the question because you might be more knowledgeable on this. Is there a difference between being like a nerd and a geek? Or would you say like it's the same thing? Because they do have similar meanings.
1: No, Nobody really says geek anymore. Okay. I I would say geek is a less kind term.
0: Hmm. When
1: I picture geek, I'm picturing somebody Bad acne, short, little chubby, Mm -hmm. has unhealthy, maybe not unhealthy, but just they obsess over a few things, but they're not particularly successful outside of, it. you know, normally you think Mm -hmm. of like some kid in school, so he's not, maybe not getting the best grades, he's not like failing out or anything, but he's just kind of there. That's kind of what I picture.
0: So So, if I understand it correctly, you see, like, the word geek in of itself as being somewhat, like, negatively labeled? In in my mind,
1: yes. But, again, it's not a word people really use anymore.
0: So, like, what about, like, geeking out? Because some people say that, too.
1: That's, That's not used much, either. It's used more. So, like, I would say geeking out over something is say two people meet for the first time mm-hmm. and they're not really, you know, they don't really know each other yet. Yeah. And then one of them lets slip that say they're a fan of a particular sports team. The other one's like, Oh my God, so am I. And they just start like zero to a hundred. They're just going off like, Oh man, you remember that game back in 1999 where <laughs> this guy yeah. did that? like, Oh my God, I know. Right. Like that was nuts. And they just start totally um, geeking out over the whole thing.
0: Oh, okay. and they just can't stop. Oh, Could Can you say like, can you nerd out? Do people say that? I would say that's the same thing. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Perfect. Yeah, so we're not going to talk about geeks today. Uh, maybe that can be like another episode. So what did you have prepared? Or What did you have in mind related to like, like being a nerd, like nerd culture in the US and stuff like that? So
1: I, I kind of want to define it first. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that depending on who you ask, you might get some different definitions. True. As far as, and, and it's... You could be a nerd in different ways. Mm -hmm. I would say it is primarily you have to have some sort of obsession over something. Okay. And, you know, a lot of nerds are not very social or introverted, but, you know, there are some who flip it on its head. Um, I would say many would consider the greatest TV food person ever, Alton Brown, to be a bit of a nerd. Mm -hmm. The man's on TV all the time and even on YouTube all the time in front of the camera talking 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 how do you call that introverted right yeah that's true but he's breaking everything down with science about food on an obsessive level so i would say the key feature is obsessive of over something it can be anything there are sports nerds who you know are consider you know are super historians about whatever game they're into or they get into the stats and they're like If they're fantasy players, they're like, well, statistically, Mm. this player did this and this and this. And there's a 70% chance that they'll trend upward this season. So their value will increase. So I should, or there's you know, car nerds, there's more traditional nerds, people into dungeons and dragons, various fantasy video games, anime. It's it's a broad spectrum, but again, it all comes down to some form of obsession, and it may be healthy. It may not be. There are some people who can't balance the two. Mm -hmm. And there are some... I'd say there's three levels. There's the people who just cannot handle their obsession and live a healthy life. There are people who have their obsession, and then they have their job, and that's it. Like, they don't do much else. Their job is mostly to facilitate their obsession and they may have a very small social group around that yeah and then there are the people who i would say have a healthy third 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 Hmm. have their obsession which is more of a healthy hobby but they're still really into it then they have their job which facilitates their lifestyle and then they have a social group and a lot of times those people who are more balanced They're not necessarily obsessed with one or two things. They might have a broad spectrum. I would say I have a very broad spectrum of things Mm. I get pretty obsessively interested in, although it can be a bit sporadic for me. I might be really into (laughs) this new show I started one week and like, oh, my God, guys, this is so good. Like, you guys got to check this out and I'll like dive into it as much as I can. And then when it's over, it's like, well, I guess it's over now. So out of my head now.
0: Okay, so that's a pretty good definition. So I guess my, I guess a, a counter question to that would be, according to your definition, what would be the difference between like being a buff and being a nerd? Because you can be, for example, like a computer nerd or a computer buff. You know what I mean?
1: Um, that's tough. So normally, when I think of the word buff, it's usually in the context of history. Like you're a history buff.
0: Oh, okay. Like, oh
1: wow, I I love the history of World War One. I'm a, I'm a super big World War One history buff. I would consider that it's it's, it's tough because I would consider buff similar but differently mm-hmm. flexible. Okay. A buff is someone who would definitely be knowledgeable about it, though they mm-hmm. may love it, they may not love it. Though I would argue I've never heard it used in like, yeah, I'm a big World War One buff. I don't necessarily find it interesting. I just happen to know a lot. I think it's usually something they really enjoy
0: okay okay That's yeah that's cool I don't want to go because I could connect like another word but that's a pretty working that's a pretty work um pretty good working definition I would say so like what are the points that you have attached to your definition uh, that you wanted to talk about
1: Mm. well like I was saying Mm -hmm. the the general idea of it is introverted yeah and that's been changing a bit throughout the decades. I would say I'm an introverted person by nature, yet, despite all circumstances, I suppose, I'm after high school, I managed to, I have a few pretty decently sized friend groups, and I feel like I'm always meeting new people. And well, we do this podcast every week. Yeah, <laughs> I talk to you and all these other people, and I, for the most part, don't sound
0: like a complete fool. Yeah. Now and I my
1: job that. involves talking to people all around the country every day, um, organizing logistics and transportation things. Mm. So I guess I'm not completely introverted. I'm able to talk to people professionally. I would still say I prefer to stay home and just kind of do my own thing. But I would say as a whole, the culture is kind of edging that way as the, the Internet and just media in general has helped connect people more and people mm-hmm. are able to normalize what they like to do you don't have to hide in your basement and you know secretly watch your you know your Naruto DVD or whatever it is
0: oh I haven't Naruto I haven't seen that forever yes Anim- Yeah. now like we're living nerds. in a
1: society where <laughs> the dragon slayer or not dragon slayer
0: the Demon Slayer. The Demon Slayer movie was the, the number
1: one grossing movie in the country.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you, that's a good point. So you and I were talking about that. So like so like nerd culture with respect to like being like a like an anime nerd or like being really into anime, how when, so and when anime first came to the States, I would say it was like the late 90s. Like when it truly took off, it was like the late 90s with like Dragon Ball and Sailor Moon. And yes, with, with tsunami. Yeah, with tsunami definitely. I really missed that and that was something a lot of people did but no one wanted to talk about because it was kind of embarrassing um it was i would say acceptable if you were a child like if you were a teenager in middle school or pokemon how could i forget pokemon (laughs) so those those things brought anime and like the nerd culture that went with it to the u.s but i would say like you know because like like being an otaku i don't know if you've heard that term before oh yes yeah, but that's basically like being like an anime nerd, like being super into anime. And that has, or like a weebo, for example. Yeah, the,
1: the preferred terminology these days is weeb.
0: Yeah, yeah, weeb. Yeah, exactly. And so those are pretty negative though, I would say. Um,
1: it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's kind of a meme in the community, but it's, mm. it's one of those things where the term was used negatively for so mm-hmm. long
0: Mm.
1: and eventually the community is like no that's what we are we'll take ownership of it
0: yeah so i have to claim it <laughs> basically and, and the
1: big joke is man everyone
0: hates weebs especially weebs yeah yeah they get a bad rap but now it's but it's,
1: it's more t- it's more tongue-in-cheek and and fun now instead mm. of like man everyone hates us it's more of a joke
0: i would say that anime is definitely gaining more acceptance when you look at things like Crunchyroll, netflix amazon they provide so much anime um so there's definitely a market and it's not something you have to do like at home alone in shame so to speak i think the thing with anime is it's hard for people to take it seriously because it's quote unquote cartoons so when we look at that we just think like oh it's cartoons um because you know it was drawn so I, i would say that's the biggest problem of people taking anime seriously
1: it, it is one of the hurdles another yeah. problem is uh and and I had a friend explain mm. this to me who is a bit more knowledgeable in Japanese than I am a lot of the big trope in anime is something will happen so another character explains it yeah and then they explain it again with slightly different wording
0: <laughs> and
1: it's really annoying and dumb to us especially if you're reading the subtitles and you know this is the word from another friend whose Japanese is a bit better than mine, so we'll have to take mm. his word for it so I could be wrong. He was saying just the way that Japanese works and phrasing can be difficult. It's more clarification. It's not as cut and dry obvious as to what they were saying in uh, English as it is Japanese.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, definitely, because both languages are extremely, uh, extremely different. And so a lot of stuff gets lost in translation. Um, I guess one of the most well-known examples is that uh, Japanese is a pro-drop language, which means you don't use like pronouns a lot like we do in English. So like using like I, he, um, they. In Japanese, you can have one sentence that consists of a verb and that be the entire sentence, whereas English, that doesn't work. (laughs) So just stuff like that that gets lost in translation, I would say. Right. but, but definitely without getting down the rabbit yeah, yeah. too
1: far on the language, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <we> <laughs> that's, go on that's becoming more accepted. And a, b- a big part of that is speaking of Japanese subtitles, for the mm-hmm. longest time in the US, we had all we had access to was the English dub, which has a history of being edited to be more palatable to American sense or Western sensibilities in general. Mm-hmm. And that's been changing. There were uh, subbed. You could get here and there or fan subs, yeah. but those are rare. And now it's more considered the regular, like, for example, when I went to see the Demon Slayer movie in theaters, that was in subtitles. Most people are looking for the subtitles. They don't necessarily want the English dub anymore. They want as close to the you know original experience as possible. Cause we're all a bunch of big nerds and
0: yeah, yeah, we want to feel, we
1: feel uh, <laughs> like we're in that authentic experience.
0: I would say I'm more of a purist in that sense. So I definitely prefer like having subtitles over dubs. I watch most of my stuff without subtitles anyway, um like in Japanese or French or I just don't like subtitles. I do appreciate the work that they do. Like subtitles are very important cuz like for example, I don't speak Russian, so it's nice to have English subtitles. <laughs> but <laughs> other than that, um I definitely prefer the original voice. So Yeah, I would definitely say I'm a nerd, I guess, in that sense that, you know, I'm a purist.
1: And and then you get into the nerdy argument like, well, if you're a purist, what would be more pure than just listening to it in a language you can comprehend, not having to watch the bottom of the screen for subtitles? Or if you're really a purist, why are you watching subtitles at all? And why aren't you just listening to the raws? And then then you get into like a whole (laughs) rabbit hole and another nerdy debate, which we love to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Go on. Go ahead. No, I was just, just going to say, so Amity has definitely become more accepted. So that kind of nerd culture is becoming more and more mainstream. And th- that's reflected in a lot of these streaming services that offer all of these anime shows.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, we have the more traditional Western uh, nerdly hobbies. Yeah. Fantasy, especially Dungeons & Dragons. Dungeons & yeah. Dragons has really blown up in the last few years. So In small yeah. part, the latest edition of Dungeons & Dragons 5th uh, edition, mm-hmm. the idea behind it was it was going to be simpler, easier to understand, and still have the things people like about the system. I, I almost said the previous system 3.5 was really complicated and very number crunching. A lot of people love that, but that wasn't the latest edition. It was 4, but everyone hates 4, and it's awful. So people just pretend 4 doesn't exist.
0: Is there a difference? I, I've a never huge, played hugely.
1: It's <laughs> it simplifies things that shouldn't be simplified, and it way overcomplicated things people didn't want overcomplicated, and they tried to make it a card based system, and uh, oh. it it was just it was it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. But yeah. with with the more simplified system that actually has more of the elements people liked from three point five, but just mm. much easier to play. I still greatly prefer 3.5, but that's because I'm a nerd and I like <laughs> lots of numbers and complicated things happening.
0: Yeah, I've never played Dungeons & Dragons. So most people refer it to by its abbreviation, so d and everyone, I think everyone in the U.S. and their dog knows what D&D, D&D is and D&D means. Maybe they don't know like the rules, maybe they've never played it, but I think everyone has heard of it at least
1: Yes, it has is, it is made its way into the cultural canon. Yeah. Even if people don't know why,
0: I don't know if yeah.
1: you've, I'm sure you've seen these charts, the Lawful Good, Neutral Good, Chaotic Good. Yeah, yeah those charts. So that's that's from Dungeons & Dragons, which originally didn't have those alignments. They had two hmm. alignments, Lawful and Chaotic, and that was it. But that was very early days. And then they brought in the, the nine-level system, which many Mm. people have criticisms over because (laughs) instead of writing like i will write a a complex a human or elf or whatever a complex person Mm. with needs and wants and flaws and virtues and all these things like well i have made a lawful good paladin so he will always follow the law and always be a good guy
0: oh yeah there
1: is a bit of a criticism with that i personally prefer write your character do what you want that character to do then assign an alignment that you think makes sense to that.
0: I'll be completely honest with you. Half of that was Greek to me because I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) It's a good
1: experience. And like like I was saying before, as much as I don't prefer it to other more complicated systems, 5th edition is an incredible entry into the world of tabletop RPGs. It's, It's simple and there are very simple classes in it and there is some complexity for the people who are looking for it
0: yeah definitely and it is like one of the most common tropes so like one of the most common themes that you see in movies if you want to talk about a character that is kind of nerdy or introverted or is into like those weird kind of things usually they mention something akin to Dungeons and Dragons I know for example like in like South Park and like Family Guy they did this a lot or in like The Simpsons they would use Dungeons and Dragons um, or something similar another game i was i guess is in the fantasy realm which is all very popular which is magic the gathering i'm sure you've heard oh, of that
1: yes how did i even i have yeah. friends who are majorly in the into magic the gathering and i they have you know four mm-hmm. four digit dollar expense oh. decks
0: oh wow yeah so i used to play that in high school um my friends introduced it to me and then when i moved to germany i bought like a bunch of cheap cards from eBay. I probably bought like a thousand cards for maybe like 50 bucks. Like they were just, you know, cards no one wanted. Um, and I taught my wife how to play and she beat me in the first game she learned. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> not very good at it. But it is definitely very popular. Um, also like Yu-Gi-Oh! or Pokemon. So a lot, a lot of those like trading card games kind of belong.
1: Absolutely. And there, and there's a ton of them. even Even my little pony has a trading card game. Really. Yes, it's yeah. made by Wizards of the Coast as well, the same company that makes uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering.
0: Yeah, like trading card games in the nineties, that was like top nerd culture. Like everyone and and their mom had like you know a trading card that they liked. The I would what's say, funny is
1: nobody knew how to play.
0: No, not really. Because like, the
1: Yu-Gi-Oh anime is not how you play Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah, and nobody knew how to play Pokemon. <laughs>
0: I didn't know how to play Pokemon. I just thought the cards were pretty. But I was 10, <laughs> so I didn't really I didn't really care. I guess the oldest card game, if you can call it that, would probably be like baseball because those cards have been around forever. You know, can,
1: so Is there a game you can actually play with them?
0: Maybe. I'm pretty I, sure there I is. I think they're
1: just collectible, but I, I th- could be wrong.
0: I think that's the biggest draw is them being collectibles. Like, you know, cuz you you hear these stories all the time about someone paid five billion dollars for like this uh credit uh, for this baseball card um stuff like that so yeah i love trading card games at my school when i was a kid i don't know if you had this but people the so the teachers didn't know really what pokemon was and how to like deal with it so they would always call it like pokemon did that happen to you too
1: um no oh, okay I didn't have that actually i'm glad i didn't have that that sounds awful it,
0: it is super awful so a lot of people at our school a lot of the principals will call it like pokemon cards which is just terrible and it became such a bad issue at our school that the school classified it as gambling because people like like uh, play pokemon cards for like their their lunch money oh and- no <laughs> and the school considered that to be gambling and we were all like 8 9 10 11 and so they banned all these like these trading card games and uh that was that was super funny Um, you know that
1: actually um is is legit though
0: yeah definitely because
1: in competitive uh collectible card game play you don't play for money you legally can't because then it's gambling really Because you're playing with cards and you're winning money so top players can have sponsors that's something that happens Mm -hmm. and also the prizes will be like prize cards and it'll be something that will either say a very good card oh this card will be out in six months mm-hmm. and this is the you know this is a special edition of it so if you wanted to you could sell it for good money also it'd be a very good card um but i don't know how legal it would be for tournament play until the set comes out but that's hmm. that's how they get around that
0: oh wow yeah that's interesting yeah like another thing related to cards i don't know if you read this but there was like this couple that went to Target a couple of weeks ago, and by the way, Target is like um like Walmart. It's like a superstore. It's a grocery store you can go to. Well, it's not a grocery store, but it's they have a, like, they have some groceries. Yeah, but it's a place where you can buy you know, like electronics, clothing, stuff like that. And this couple bought a a starter pack or a booster pack for Pokemon, and there was like a super rare card in there, um. And someone robbed them at the at Target. And because of that, Target decided that they're not going to sell that anymore in their stores, that you would have to order them online. So oh,
1: I did hear about yeah. that. Yeah. And and I don't think it was a very lucrative, I don't know how lucrative Pokemon would be for them anyway. Because and, and I've I've had people tell me they've done this before. Mm-hmm. You certain rarities of card, like say you're looking for a specific card very, mm. very valuable say it's valued at 250 dollars. yeah and it only comes in this rarity that happens to be foiled this way well you could take a very sensitive scale to the store weigh the packs and say well if i got this rarity of card it would have to weigh one of these specific weights
0: that's all so people a would
1: come in and just weigh them weigh every <laughs> pack or also you know they're <laughs> easy to steal so people just steal them too that is a lot of effort <laughs> i mean but think about it take in a like a little jeweler scale or a very yeah. fine baking scale and oh this this pack has like a one in seven chance of having a 250 dollar card in it sure i'll mm-hmm. buy this for five dollars
0: i think yeah I, I think that ruins the spirit of the game though
1: <laughs> see that's 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 where competitive and casual players uh differ on yeah that. like they have to have if they're gonna play competitively, they have to have all the cards they need for their build. Mm. That that is the game. And then you know they just need to get them somehow. It's a matter of am I going to go online and pay $250 for three copies of this card I need, or am I gonna roll the dice and gamble and hope I get it? Or maybe I'll get something else valuable and I'll sell it and you have the money to. It's a whole nightmare, and one I've tried to stay out of in the last few years.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That that really is. I wouldn't pay that much for a card, but I mean, I, I understand it's just supply and demand, though. I mean, if they're willing to pay five hundred bucks for a card, then I'm willing to sell it for five hundred.
1: Right, and and part of another reason why people I know dropped out of Yu Gi Oh was. There's different forms of the ban list, which is basically how they keep oh, yeah. uh, the game moving. That as new cards come out, they power creep, which just means mm. to make them attractive. They're incre- and it's not even always on purpose, but probably is in this case. They're in on average, their collective power is getting stronger.
0: Yeah. And then
1: they'll also say every six months they'll introduce a new ban list saying, okay, this card is now banned. This card isn't banned anymore. You can only have one of this card. Things like that to kind of force things to stay fresh. Mm. And people are getting tired of, okay, this card is incredible. Every deck needs three of them. So the price is going to skyrocket. And so everyone's running three of them. Maybe let's be generous and say they're just 50 bucks a pop. So everyone has to spend $150 to get a guaranteed shot at that card. For for three for three of them. And then the new ban list comes out, and like, well, obviously this card is too good, so it's banned now. Now everyone's card is worth like three to bucks a piece.
0: Yeah, that that's I heard about that. About yeah, the so ban list. People
1: have gotten tired. Magic is better because there's several different formats that people actually play. Um, so there's legacy, which is basically you can play almost everything in legacy. There's a slightly older format called vintage, which is Mm -hmm. much more open but nobody plays vintage like vintage decks are like five-figure decks
0: they're very expensive legacy
1: decks are expensive but they're not that expensive and then there's modern decks which i think goes back to like 2004 2005 something like that and then there's standard Mm. which is what they try to push is like they're everyone come down to friday night and let's play i think it's everything has to be within six months i think so it's not a terrible investment to buy something for like Modern or Legacy because it's always gonna be around. Standard, you might you know invest in a deck and then blink and then everything in that deck is illegal. You might be <laughs> able to use it in those other formats, but there's such a large card pool to pull from for those decks that the odds are there's already better
0: things you could put in them anyway. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Before we run out of time and get too deep into cards, is there another topic you wanted to touch on? With the a, a little culture? bit. Okay. I okay. do want to
1: dip back into D&D for a second. Okay,
0: sure. Shoot. We'll, we'll so, backtrack a bit.
1: <laughs> as So D&D came about in the 70s, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And it was popular in its circle. And it is pretty much just grown in popularity as it's gone on, except for the dip in popularity that happened during fourth edition that everyone hates. But it was always not a huge, huge thing in the in the general public. People knew about it, but not everyone was playing it. And then the big burst we've seen in the last few years of uh, TV shows like Stranger Things, which feature and talk about Dungeons & Dragons quite a bit. And then the YouTube series uh, Critical Role, which is this massive live Dungeons & Dragons campaign run by... It's all actors and voice actors playing it, and they're all very good at what they do, because primarily Dungeons and & Dragons and all tabletop role-playing games played correctly. It's, it's acting, it's improv, it's role-playing. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily about having the biggest and best numbers, though so you can do that. If you wanted to do that, there's better games to play. It's primarily a collective storytelling endeavor, mm-hmm. and people who professionally do that for a living are very good at it. I'm but, not personally a big fan of it. I don't have anything against it. It's just not something I enjoy very much.
0: D or doing it for a living?
1: No, no, no. Uh, listening to and watching other people play.
0: It sounds incredibly boring. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie.
1: <laughs> I mean, some people get really into it. Like, and yeah. you know what? It, it, my uh a coworker of mine at work, he recently stayed up and watched the big finale. He mm-hmm. has to wake up at 6 a.m. to get to work. Jeez. And the finale went until 3 a.m. And he stayed up and watched it. It was a seven hour finale. Oh, wow. And he was saying, on average, it's three to four hours a week for I think like 200 some weeks, something like that. I can't remember the exact, maybe longer. Well, they've done more than one campaign. This was just the end. And he was like, that for free content, I've gotten huge value out of this. And a story that long, you're so invested in it, you've been with it so long. so i i I see the the appeal
0: that is crazy that i'm i'm shocked like 200 weeks yes Um, it was very
1: popular i can't originally it was a the origin of critical role was a pathfinder game pathfinder without risk of getting too far into the weeds dungeons and dragons third edition existed then -hmm. they made some tweaks to it which became 3.5 And then there was another team working on some new stuff for 3.5 and then they were told to, you know, basically it was canceled. So they took everything they had and released another system called Pathfinder, which is basically 3.52 or 3.75 and that became very popular for a long time. It's still my favorite system. And then then the two systems diverge because 4th edition happened and everyone hated 4th edition so everyone played (laughs) Pathfinder instead. So it was originally a Pathfinder game and they switched to fifth edition because it's simpler and it flows better on air. And I can't remember why they started it though, but it really blew up and it got popular. There's official Dungeons and Dragons, critical role content classes. I believe the Dungeon Master has written some official things that have made it into the game. And because of that, because it's so big, a lot of people have gotten into the hobby that on top of... Um, things like Stranger Things and just more uh, cultural connectivity with media. Mm. And it's really blown up. Like there are multiple people at my job. I have heard talk about Dungeons and Dragons, like playing it. And and I I work in an office. It's very, very interesting. And then unfortunately, kind of with any new popularity, boom, and things like this, you have the gatekeepers the people who are like well i liked this before it was cool and now you're all here rooting.
0: yeah i liked it before it was popular and now i don't like it anymore because it's mainstream <laughs>
1: i mean they a lot of these times these people still like it but they're like they more see them as oh the system like i was saying fifth edition is much simpler they blame people like that for this like they made my game simpler and dumbed down and less fun because you because they had to accommodate you people which I I agree I don't enjoy fifth edition as much but yeah it doesn't mean I don't want people playing
0: I think gatekeeping though is more of like a general term it's basically you don't want to let someone into your community more or less I would say so like you want to keep it underground
1: yes because then it doesn't have to accommodate to exactly you know, the, yeah that's, that's in their mind the lowest common denominator the the unwashed masses
0: <laughs> yeah that, that's pretty good yeah basically so you, you have we have this distinction which i think also ties into like nerd culture the difference between being underground and mainstream so underground it's pretty tied to the original community but once it becomes mainstream like you said it you have to find the lowest common denominator so you basically have to find a system that appeals to the simplest person so that it it can become popular for everyone. This is a common criticism of music. So the difference between like underground music and mainstream music, you know, when people say like underground music is much better than mainstream because it's, you don't have to please everyone, just one certain group, but. And
1: and sometimes it's a defense mechanism um, and not, well, That's true. So what I've had explained to me by a friend Mm -hmm. is this used to never be popular. We had to kind of hide this away. People would make fun of us, blah, blah, blah. So we just did our own thing. And now suddenly it's popular and all these people who made fun of us are joining in on it. And that really makes me angry.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That is another hallmark um, of being a nerd is that you have to do a lot of these things in secrecy because you're afraid of like being made fun yeah. of you're or, afraid of or being ridicule. You just
1: are open about it. Like, yes, I like this thing and I will accept the ridicule.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's like, you can hate me for what I am, but I love it. <laughs> and so and people
1: th- get mad like, Oh, so when I liked this thing, I got made fun of and then X famous person likes this thing. And now they're even more famous than ever because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I you mean- know it's
1: not necessarily fair, but you know, progress isn't fair
0: yeah that's true I guess that's maybe akin to like appropriation you know like this is our thing this is our culture with respect to like fantasy or anime and someone thinks something's cute about this so they'll just take it out of context and it kind of cheapens the experience um and I think that's the biggest problem for people in like the D&D community so we only right. have like a couple minutes left. Is there another point you want to like switch to or do you want to finish out with, uh, with D&D?
1: Hmm. Well, I think I would just mostly like to reiterate um, yeah. the obsessive nature, which can vary mm. on, on different levels. There can be the no lives, and there can be, this is just like my main hobbies. But oh, the no I would life. like to reiterate, I think it could be anything. Like there are, there's the term gun nut which has a negative connotation these okay. days. But when I think of gun nut, I'm not thinking of someone who's like, you know, screaming on a corner about their gun rights. I'm thinking of someone who loves tinkering around and they love the engineering and, Oh, I have this, yeah. I have this new rifle. What could I do to it? Oh, I've never done this before. You know, they're nerds. They're playing around. They love the engineering. They love, Oh, well this, this manufacturer, they use this particular piece here and it's different from all the other models like this. And I would say every realm of hobby has that niche. Even, even sub-niches, it gets deeper. There are the people who spend hours and hours think, hand-loading their own ammo, and they obsess, mm. over, they obsess over to the, speaking of measurements like we were earlier, uh, they use the measurement of grain for weight. And they'll think, oh, I used a 165 grain bullet before what if i use like a 160 but i did this and this and this mm. and i think it can really be about anything and i that not everyone's gonna agree with me on that but that is that's what i believe
0: yeah i think i'm a, a i'm in a bit of a disagreement only slightly i do think being a nerd, the main component is obsessing over something and there being a bit of shame surrounding that or some kind of ridicule so there's you're in love with something and you kind of get um, blowback or you get kind of flack for that um, because of that love. And so in that sense, I think nerd culture, historically speaking, um, is traced back to or is like connected with like computers, anime, fantasy, things like Star Wars, uh, like Star Trek, Lord of the Rings. Like a lot of those have a very strong ties to like the nerd community in that sense i would say um maybe people from those communities would have different labels for themselves so they wouldn't maybe necessarily call themselves nerds but for the person outside looking in that's what it looks like if you know what i mean right whereas like for like guns i don't know if i've ever heard someone apply a uh, nerds with respect to guns now if they get like into the technical aspect like you said like oh this has like a I, I don't know anything about guns. I'm not going to even pretend. But if it has like a certain kind of like caliber uh, caliber or a certain kind of barrel length or whatnot, then sure, I would say like their they're gun, like a gun right. nerd. Right, yeah. that's
1: more what I'm thinking. Like if I yeah. if I sat down with you and like, listen, um, and we'd never met before and I sat yeah. down with you next to you at a bar and like, listen, have you heard about how Walther designs their triggers and how they've used a new manufacturing method and they're able to stamp parts out faster and cheaper, but they're uh, still able to use this part to do this. And they have this, the, the best trigger of all the general manual. Like, I, I feel like you would walk away and just say, <laughs> oh, man, what a nerd.
0: Yeah, that's like, true. Like, that's more what I'm thinking. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's true. I, I in, that, in that case, I would kind of correct my statement. Um, but I think if I just said the word nerd with no context, I think... We would mentally go back to like D D, anime, uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, like stuff like that, because that's typically what's been associated or computers. Um, but with computers, we also have like geeks, you know, because geek is more I would say like a technical term. Um, if someone is like a geek, then they're really into like electronic and stuff like that. But yeah, and I then, like and it. that's
1: something I think I'd have to personally disagree with. Just yeah,
0: because I
1: never <laughs> I all the time I spent studying computer science. I don't think I ever heard that term once
0: really. Yeah. Okay. Huh. But yeah, definitely. Definitely. Anyway. So yeah. So we're unfortunately almost out of time. Is there one last point you wanted to touch on before we uh, say adios? Adios.
1: Um, Real, real, real quick, Yeah. Uh, something we completely forgot to mention is there are oh. also academic nerds, people who obsess more over oh, fields yeah. of study, more, I would say, more useful nerds.
0: <laughs> so then I guess then the last question would be, do you consider the people in the Big Bang Theory to be nerds?
1: Oh, my cool. God, I hate that show. That,
0: so do I. The best <laughs>
1: description I've ever heard of that show is it is nerd blackface.
0: Oh, nerd. Bl- oh, yeah. <sighs> Oh, we have to, so we have to, like, define blackface real quick. (laughs) So blackface is, long story short, um, it's when you put, like, black makeup on your face and you pretend like you're a black person from, like, Africa or from, like, the U.S. or from Jamaica. And it's pretty racist. (laughs) Yes,
1: and very offensive.
0: Yeah, it's very racist, very offensive. Don't do it. Um, But that's an interesting description of the big bang theory yeah i don't like it i don't think it's funny but that's a, a topic for another day
1: anyway i think that's everything i have
0: yeah so i'm done too uh super interesting topic super interesting episode um there was a bit of, a dis- bit of a disagreement about the terminology but i like that
1: which is fun we're, we're reasonable you, people yeah
0: yeah so thanks so much for listening um as always uh stay safe and see you next week see you next week <laughs> bye